Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi. Welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Tony Evans of ESPN and Tom Colomose of the Evening Standard. Will he stay or will he go? Arsene Wenger is in no rush to let us know. His team, though, can speak for him, especially in the Champions League. It's buying a game. Same old outcome, Tony? On ground out day, isn't it? You know, it's, uh, oh, funnily enough, I actually think that Arsenal are uh, more equipped this time round to take on Bayern. Bayern, despite running away with the Bundesliga, haven't quite been firing this season. I mean, they struggled a little bit at the weekend with Ingolstadt, you know, to a 2-0 victory. And while Arsenal, you know, Arsenal can be Arsenal at <laughs> any point, you know, I think they've got enough talent there. I think they've got enough pace to trouble them. I mean, this could be the year they get over Bayern, although false hope. I think one of the cruelest jokes UEFA's ever played on Arsenal fans is that three-week gap between the first and the second leg you know, where hope will grow. <laughs> now, big game in all senses of the word, but especially for Meza Ozil back in Germany. Yes, and he's not done enough again, Ozil, this season, has he? Um, watching him this year, I'm not too sure he hasn't lost a tiny bit of pace from that player we saw in the 2010 World Cup. He just doesn't seem quite as dynamic as he was then. I don't know if it's something physical, I don't know if it's something mental, but Arsene Wenger's had quite a pop at him for Wenger after the game at the weekend, so it'll be interesting to see if he responds to that or if indeed he's still in the side. It's your favourite player, isn't he? Oh, you know what, I can't watch him. He frustrates me so much. <laughs> so much talent. At the end of last season, they played West Brom on a Thursday night and he got the ball out wide. Game meant nothing, you know, Arsenal were in the lead and he knocked this like 40-yard ball across field inch perfect but as he swung through he held he held his position you know just his form for a second like, like, like a, a golfer, golfer. swinging yeah. through and I thought there you are you're Glenn Hoddle for the new age all style no substance and you're never going to fulfil your talents he's so, a World Cup winner though he's he no substance a bit harsh <laughs> played yeah. for Real Madrid won the league title yeah but you know what he should be turning games in the Premier League he should be leading Arsenal to titles and he's not justified the outlay that Wenger put on him and Wenger bet the last part of his career and presumably the last part of his career, on Ezel, and he hasn't fulfilled it. Rob Hobbs has just been on, same old, same old, Arsenal to lose on away goals. What do you think? I think Bayern will go through. I think it's a slightly dangerous idea that they've got a better chance this year. Yes, Bayern haven't been quite as impressive in the Champions League, but Ancelotti's a Champions League manager. Two titles with AC Milan. Should have been a third, apart from the fluke, sorry, miracle uh, in Istanbul, and another with Real Madrid. So... I'd back them to go through. He knows what he's doing in this competition, does Carlo. Mm -hmm. Ancelotti, 
he's hasn't changed everything there. He's not mm. been a kitchen sink job. They're defending a bit deeper. Uh, Neuer is not so much of a mm. sweeper-keeper as he maybe used to be. I look at that team and I look at the job that he's doing with that team and I think Ancelotti could have been, maybe should have been, the sort of interim two, three-year superstar manager that Arsenal needed. Oh, he'd love to. He'd love to come back to London as well. He really enjoys life here, and he would have been perfect for Arsenal. He's another one we can add to the list of the the lost Arsenal managers of the the Wenger era. And what is worrying about Arsenal is that if Wenger does decide to go, then there's no real plan for the succession there. The carnage that will follow Wenger's departure will likely be worse than what happens at United with Ferguson. Eric Tullant says, should the Ox start against Bayern? He's been really good in central midfield. I don't know. I think you can pick anyone from a lot of them. I think there's not too many difference makers in that mm. side. Apart from Ozil, as we said, I think they've badly missed Santi Casola, who's a superb player, and they rely so much on Alexis Sanchez. I think if Sanchez turns up and plays at his best, that's when they have a little bit of a chance. But with all due respect to Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, he's not going to turn a Champions League tie against Bayern Munich as he I, now scores a hat-trick in both legs. I think if Cazorla doesn't get injured, then they're probably six points closer to Chelsea. Right, and if they got Kante, they'd be six points ahead of them. Well, exactly. <laughs> the, the one player I can't believe that they didn't try to sign is Rajan Angolan of Roma. Mm. I think he's a superb midfielder. He would improve any Premier League side. Chelsea went for him, didn't get him. I think he'd have been magnificent for Arsenal, much better than Xhaka. Does Wenger stay... And this is Luis Theodosi. If he takes Arsenal to the top four and finish in the top two as well, well, is it enough? Is it enough for all the the resources he had, all the years he's done it? You know, uh, the, the fact is, it'll, we're 13 years and counting from the last title he won there. We keep hearing all the time that the unbroken run of 18 years in the Champions League is, you know, one of the greatest achievements in modern football. Well, what's it brought them? They say you got to be in it to win it. Arsenal prove you don't. Because let's face it, Liverpool, uh, Chelsea. And United are not in it this year, the Champions League, and they've all won it in those 18 years. So, you know, I think if they don't win something this season, the fan base will be very, very restive, and that might tip Fenger over the edge. I just think he might have gone past that now, whether it's enough or not, because, of course, we all know he will make the decision. It seems the contract's on the table. And I just get the impression that he's probably decided that enough's enough. And so, irrespective of results over the rest of the season, I just have a feeling that he's probably decided that this will be the last campaign. Mm. Begs the question, who takes over? Dortmund are at Benfica in the Champions League this week. There'll be a lot of attention on Thomas Tuchel. Mm. Is he the sort of guy who could come over and make an impact in English football? Yeah, I think he is, but I'm, I don't think he's really suited to Arsenal. for the, uh, And I don't think he's particularly suited to come into a club which will have such a vacuum left after Wenger leaves. So, I mean, it's obviously, there are very few people, uh, very few top-class managers out there that you'd actually say would suit the Arsenal job. And, you know, obviously his name's going to be really high on the list, but I think it'd be a mistake. I agree with Tony, actually. I have a little worry about Tuchel. I watched his Dortmund side against Spurs last year, and they were fantastic, the Europa League. I thought, no team can beat this side. They're, they're magnificent. Liverpool beat them in the next round. Mm. He's not won a trophy yet at Dortmund and he did walk into a club with a bit of a vacuum with Klopp having gone to Liverpool. So I think they need somebody who is a trophy winner and Tuchel isn't that yet. I think they need somebody who's a little more experienced. And they're a long way off Bayern. And the they are, exactly. 15-point gap, isn't yeah. there? And this should have been the year when Bayern post-Guardiola mm. should have been a little vulnerable. They should have been challenging them. Look at the squad they've got. It's a fantastic squad. They should be closer. Mm. Mm. Looking at the other games in the Champions League... PSG, Barca, 
sticks out, doesn't it? Yeah. How good are Barca at the moment? They seem to be not quite at the, the optimum level. Yeah, they're having one of those uh, dips. I wish everyone wishes they could have dips like that, don't they? Yeah. They're not flying like they, you know, so they have been at various stages over the last few years. However, they're still good enough, and, and when you know, for a game like this, I would have thought they'll easily lift themselves. And you know, we've seen that PSG over the years have had issues playing at these really top-level games when you know the league's so easy for them. You know, that makes not this year. Well, no, no, not this year, to be fair. But really, they don't get enough games against high-class opposition yeah. to really, for when they're pitched into these knockout round yeah. games, you know, it's uh, certainly not against the likes of Barcelona. I'd mm. agree with that. I also think the Champions League's wide open this year because unlike mm. in other years, there isn't that absolutely top-class side. Barcelona have dipped. Of course, as Tony says, everyone would like a dip like that, but Neymar's not been on it as much as he has in the last couple of seasons. Suarez has been great, though. Suarez it? has been fantastic, mm. but the... Players below the favourite 11 haven't quite been there. Andre Gomez has gone there, he's not been outstanding. Denis Suarez has still got a bit to prove, I think so. And there's a bit of unrest behind the scenes. You don't know if Luis Enrique will stay or go at the end of the season. I'd actually look at another French side as an outside bet, Monaco. I think they got a chance this year, they're absolutely flying. I think mm. maybe not as actual winners, but if you're a betting person, which I'm not, I'd do good each way bet. Kylian and Beppe scored three times at the weekend, didn't they? A lot of talk, and it will flare again when Manchester City play them. City interested. Arsenal been mentioned in dispatches. Mm -hmm. You know, he's been talked about as a new Thierry Henry. Yeah, I mean, I can see Monaco giving City a real game. You know, in fact, I, I could see. I agree with Tom. I think Monaco, the, the team, I think could go through. City is so dysfunctional at the back and their pace. Monaco's pace is really going to hurt them if they can get behind. You know, the City front four then anything can happen. I agree. It's one of those years where you see that team breaking up at the end of the season, don't mm. you? But this season, the stars are just all aligned. Everything seems to work in that side. Yeah. They've got two full-backs who are absolutely flying. Bernardo Silva's a terrific player. Falcao's got his mojo back a bit. Yeah. And this lad Mbappe, I think he's probably already beyond a club like Arsenal in terms of prospect. If you look at Martial, who went for, it could be £58 million, mm. Monaco will be wanting something in the region of that for Mbappe. I think Real Madrid have already yeah, been looking at him. I think he's probably too good for the third, fourth, fifth teams in the Premier League. Mm. Speaking of Madrid, I'd have them as slight favourites for the Champions League. They've got Gareth Bale coming back. Mm. Big, big plus. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, Ronaldo isn't quite the player he once was. In, in many ways, that works better for them because they've, they've got a better shape and they don't rely so much on them. Yeah, I mean, funnily enough, I don't see... I don't see Real winning it. They look a bit vulnerable to me at the back and I think uh, teams with pace will hurt them. It's a tough tie they've got as well against Napoli. Napoli, mm -hmm. player for player, they're not at Real Madrid's level at all. But Dries Mertens has been on fire this season. Marek Hamsik's been playing really well. I think they've got Arkadius Milik, the centre-forward, to come back. So that's a tricky one for them. And they, before they started winning these again, they did used to lose in the last 16 against useful teams that you'd expect them to beat. So it's not a foregone conclusion, that one. Mm. Eric Tullens is asking us about the draw itself. There's a lot of familiarity about the draw. Mm. Is that a European football becoming more elitist? Yeah, without a doubt, and it's likely to get even more so over the next few years. All the rules from financial fair play onwards have been about ring-fencing the elite rather than actually letting other people in. Any danger will get bored by it? Uh, I'm bored with some of it now. You know, I don't want to see Arsenal, Bayern, Munich. I don't want to see PSG, uh, Barcelona. You know, you see it too often. You know, it'd be nice to have a new face in there. Nice to see a bit of a change. But you know, this is what we're going to see, and it'll continue. It'll get worse. The, the gene pool shrinks. That's why 
they're clearly not, you know, comparable with Brian Clough's Nottingham Forest, but it'd be quite nice to see Monaco win it for that variety. Mm. And clearly they had a lot of wealth a few years ago that's allowed them to bring in some of the players they have, but at least it's something different. I mean, I even look back to the 90s when I watched football and Ajax won it, got to the final the next year. It couldn't happen now, mm. and that's a great pity. Or even Leicester. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's another matter which we'll get onto later. Um, a glory days match in the in Europa League, Manchester United against St Etienne. Now, younger viewers won't understand the resonance of that fixture. Yeah, a huge event in there 40 years ago. French police and Manchester United fans went at it in Saint Etienne, and it was you know, sort of really one of those seminal events of 70s hooliganism or, or fan culture, you could argue. So Saint Etienne then were one of the best teams in Europe. You know, they'd been to the European Cup final a couple of years before, they'd been knocked out by Liverpool the previous year, and, uh, and they were a good side. I don't think they're quite what they were in, in those days. Although, you know, I think they'll make it difficult for United, who have the most underwhelming, unbeaten run I've ever seen in my life. What's really interesting is through this long, unbeaten run United have had, they've been in sixth place all the time. Mm. The unbeaten run has not given them any trajectory up the table. St Etienne are fifth, mm. 1-4-0 last night against Lorient. A lot of the interest and focus will be on Paul Pogba's elder brother, Florentine. Do you know much about him, Tom? I have to confess, I don't know a lot about him. He's the middle brother in terms of quality, isn't he? There's another mm. brother who's playing... Mainly a central level. defender, although they've been mm. playing him at left-back. Um, but what's interesting is that San Etienne can actually attack this competition because they're fifth, not really particularly close to the top three or four, a long way from trouble, and so they don't have particularly that Thursday-Sunday worry. Manchester United have to get back in the Champions League. Saint-Étienne probably don't have the same pressures. So I think it's a tricky one for them. Going back to the Saint-Étienne, I remember Dominic Rocheteau's flowing hair from yeah, 80s World, yeah, World Cup videos. Don't have a player like him now, I don't think, but it'll be a great time nonetheless. Yeah. You mentioned you know, how underwhelming that Manchester United run is. Hmm. Why? Well, I don't think they've been playing very well. I think defensively they've got problems. I mean, I don't think... Any team that has Phil Jones in the back four can get into the top four. You know, I don't think he's a, he's a great player at all. I think Pogba, while he's been a little bit better, hasn't been, certainly hasn't justified his price tag at this stage. I think Ibrahimovic, for all his, his heroics, his goals, his obstructions and things like that, slows them down when they're going forward. And that's bound to happen. He, as great a player he is, but he, he does. And there's still lack of coherence. They've improved slightly since the beginning of the season. But I don't see that this is a team that's going to trouble the top four or win any trophies. Mm. I think they have the players to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's just the involvement in so many competitions. They don't have a league game now for the best part of a month, I think, because they're involved in the Europa League, then the FA Cup, then they've got the EFL Cup final after that as well. The one I am frustrated by is Mkhitaryan, because I absolutely love him as a player. I think he's wonderful. And he had that spell after he was left out of the side. He came in, he was superb. And I thought this guy could even be the best player in the second half of the season and really carry them through. He hasn't quite done it yet. You can put it down to his first season. I think he might be better next season. But if he if he catches fire, I think they can get in the top right. four. I don't quite agree with him. He's a sort of play rule flicker. And you can see why Mourinho's not completely sold on him. All the talent in the world, but a little bit of the airsles there. You know, it's, uh, he's going to do something outrageous, but then he'll drift out of a game. And when I said they're not going to win a trophy, they're probably going to win the League Cup. Mm. You were both at Anfield Saturday evening. Tottenham. There's a case in point about having too many competitions to go for. They're at Ghent. One competition too far? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think the great focus for Tottenham, and Tom knows much more about Tottenham than I do, is getting back in the Champions League. Because what they need to do is they need to make sure they're involved in that competition next year so they keep the big players, they keep the rallies, they keep the canes. And, you know, they don't get into a Gareth Bale situation again. I couldn't believe how naive and wide open they were at Anfield. You know, Pochettino has developed, and quite rightly, a reputation as a strategist and a tactician. And yet, you know, Liverpool perform when they get space. And Tottenham just allowed them space all over the midfield. And I, I, I was shocked by that performance. It may yet focus minds for the final third of the season. But um, they need to do considerably better than that. I think there's a couple of points to make. We spoke to Hugo Lloris, who's the most experienced member of that side after the game at Anfield. He thinks they need to attack the cup competitions because he thinks that they need to feel the pressure of those big games in order that they deal with a fixture like Anfield better than they did. And that brings me to my second point. I think I agree with what Tony said. I think the problem's mental as much as anything. Man for man, Spurs maybe aren't quite as good as Liverpool, but they can certainly go toe-to-toe with them if they're playing at their best. They seemed inhibited, I thought, at Anfield. And the third point is that below the 11, that squad still isn't strong enough and the recruitment needs to be a bit better so that when a Danny Rose drops out, when Jan Vertonghen drops out, the replacements don't mean that the side falls off so much as it does. It wasn't only just the replacements. I felt sorry for Paul Ben Davis out there. There was no cover for him. No cover. The Tottenham midfields were just doing their own thing. Well, it was Son who was wide who Mm. ought to have been tracking him back, wasn't it? But I still... Mane's a, a fantastic player, he's a superb player, but Danny Rose would have done a better job against him, cover or no cover. Davis doesn't play that much, wasn't quite up to it. They need people who are pushing those guys in the first 11 harder. Gareth Goyle is telling us that United will make the top four. If he's right, who misses out? Well, it's hard to see, because um, Arsenal, you know, Arsenal own a place in the top four. It's as simple as that, they won't drop off. I think Tottenham are good enough, I think they'll play well and there'll be structures enough to keep the position up there. Chelsea are clearly not going to, so presumably City, and that mean Liverpool and the South. I can't see United leapfrogging Liverpool and City. Liverpool, they've got a, you know, a nice couple of week gap now. They're going to La Manga to do what essentially is another five-day pre-season. Mm-hmm. Klopp is saying, and he has to say, yeah, we, we can win all 13 games remaining. How realistic is that? It's not, is it? They're not going to. I mean, no. it'd be remarkable. Again, Tony knows more about Liverpool than I do, far more. But I detect their results have been so good against the other sides in the top six and so poor against some of the sides lower down. You think Hull, you think Swansea, Sunderland, West Ham, Bournemouth. I just wonder if there's a little attitude problem there. Maybe subconscious, where those sides turn up at Anfield and all right, they play much more defensively, much more compact, but is there an element in that Liverpool side where they just think, ah, we'll knock these over, no problem. And I think that's something maybe Klopp needs to address if they're going to take the step to really challenge for the title. Yeah, I think there's a lack of leadership there, you know, grabbing the game by the scruff of its neck and, you know, saying that. But, I mean, I think the thing is, if you play open and allow Liverpool to play their game, they'll hurt you. The movements and the pace of the front four will destroy teams. If you play 4-5 or 5-4 plus one up front, then they're going to have, you squeeze the space in the last 30 yards, they're going to have trouble on picking you. And the thing is, when you break, you've got a good chance of scoring because, you know, you might well come across Lucas at centre half. Mark Harry came out of the game, didn't he? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was amazed at that. He has looked just a little bit lacking zest, Kane, in some of these biggest games. And mm. I think that was 
a real example of it. A much smaller man who's a midfielder kept him quiet. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Tottenham very early on found space in the penalty area. Eriksen, who had the shot into the cup uh, across the, the corner, and I thought to myself, this is going to be a mess. You know, the, the Liverpool defence, Matip and Lucas, mm. is a bit mix and match up for the best. And I was shocked that Tottenham never got at them. Mm. The thing that struck me watching Chelsea at Burnley yesterday was that I looked at that and thought, horrible day, sub arctic temperatures and we've got a team which kept its shape kept its nerve kept going i could look at that and i thought liverpool would have lost there tottenham would have lost there is that the difference between champions and also rents yeah i think you're right i mean i think the one thing what's it's, it's absolutely amazing sitting behind the dugouts and watching conti go about his work. I mean, he's, he's man-managing those players on an individual level. He's telling them when to press, when to sit back, when to move. He, you know, he's really worked hard to create a shape there from that team, from a squad that was really unsuitable for the way he wanted to play. And I think that's been a tremendous achievement. And yeah, and I think if Liverpool had the structure, or Tottenham have at times mm. had that structure. At home. Yeah, at home. I think they'd be much nearer Chelsea. I think it's interesting about him man-managing players from the bench because a lot of those judgments are informed by the results, aren't they? So do you remember when Andre Villas-Boas was doing that and Chelsea mm. were failing? We thought, oh, it's this clown doing, crouching down, pointing to them. Mm. The most interesting thing with Conte is I followed his career quite a lot at Juventus and I thought he'd be completely combustible when he arrived in yeah, what I he did and said well, in yeah. public as he was at Juventus very often. He was getting into scrapes, all kinds of scrapes and manager of Italy, by the way. He's so calm now as was exemplified by he just didn't bother with Mourinho's dig about defensive football. Mm -hmm. He just said, ah, I don't get into arguments with other managers. And I think that must have been a conscious decision on his part before mm -hmm. he came over here. Mm -hmm. Do we accept that the Premier League title is decided now? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think Chelsea may run out of steam a little bit, but I can't see them running out of steam that much. And I think the teams below them have the capacity to shoot themselves in the foot. Mm. I was hugely impressed by Burnley. Now, they're going to be in the spotlight again this weekend. Lincoln are playing them in the FA Cup. Burnley looked to me to be one of those potentially impressive cup teams. Definitely, because they've got the quality of a Premier League side. You saw that from Robbie Brady's free kick yesterday. They have some really talented players. Joey Barton, really experienced at this level. They're, if not safe, they're as good as, I think, now. And Sean Dyche, I can imagine, will play a strong team for the rest of the Cup as their Premier League status becomes more and more secure. Winnable tie here, and once you're in the last eight, anything can happen. So I'd like to see them, the history Burnley have, the way they go about the business now. He's a cracking manager, Dyke, so it'd be, it'd be great for the competition if they could go far in it. Manager of the year? Well, yeah, well, no, Conzi. But you've got to be close. Mm. I'd have him second. Mm. What impresses you most about him, the way he approaches his work? There's a number of things, you know, he's a... Uh, he talks like a manager should. <laughs> it's like the ones I grew up with, he talks like that. But no, he communicates very, very clearly. He's got a very, very straightforward thinker. He's got that mix of being able to create a tactical shape in the team, but also he's conscious of the spirit within the team, creating that team ethic, the band of brothers feeling where people mm. will work for each other. And you know what? We look across, you look at Arsenal and no one seems to be working for each other. You looked at Tottenham, at Anfield, the midfielders aren't tracking back and working for the defenders. The one thing about Burnley, everyone's tracking back, everyone's covering, no one gets hung out to dry. 
And what's interesting about that is that he's kept faith, hasn't he? Pretty much with the core of players who mm. brought them up two seasons ago, mm. who went back down and have brought them up again. Mm. And that's going to create the brotherhood that Tony describes. He hasn't, he's resisted the temptation of spending the Premier League money on a load of players who might not fit. Mm. Another BT Sport FA Cup game is Blackburn Manchester United. Chrissy Buxton makes the point. She thinks United will concentrate on the Europa League, mm. win that, therefore then you get... Easy the, as that. Easy like that. So you get Champions League qualification that way. What do you think? Yeah, well, that's what happened to Liverpool last year. They were going to win that. It was easy, really, wasn't it? And that turns out well. I think Mourinho was conscious. He's the short-term fix. He come in there and has to get them in the top four. And Has to win a trophy this season? If he gets them in the top four, he doesn't have to win a trophy. But if they're out the top four, he has to. And he has to probably win more than one. I mean, last season, they, you know, they sacked him and Drew won the FA Cup. Mm. So I don't think the League Cup will do enough for the Glazers. So, he, you know, he needs, to, he needs to be in every tournament they're in. He needs to be in every competition. He needs to be thinking about winning it. I think, though, of all the clubs in the top six, they're maybe the least affected by having to qualify for the Champions League and the effect that has on your future recruitment. Their, their cash reserves seem absolutely vast. Mm. They were still able to sign Paul Pogba despite not having Champions League mm. football. I think they could perhaps still sign Antoine Griezmann even if they're not in the Champions League. So while Manchester United long-term need to be in that competition, I don't think the pressure is perhaps as great on their cachet as a club as it is for the others if they're not there. Yeah, the, the debt's starting to go up yeah. again, though, and it's uh, up to 405 million. Oh, they'll million find the again, money for so Griezmann, though, won't they? They, 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 to. they will find the money, but there's, they're going to reach a point where without Champions League football... Oh, yeah, long term, stay, but I think yeah. maybe next year it's still mm. it's mm. still in the balance. When you <clears> listen to the mood music from Leicester, it seems remarkable that they're a week away from a, you know, a big European tie against Sevilla, which might be one to watch from behind the sofa, mm -hmm. the way they're playing. Have you been surprised, Tony, about the way they've just imploded? Yeah, I mean, no-one expected them to win the league again. We all expected them to become, you know, 8th, ninth, 10th, and to be fine. But, I, you know, there's, there's so many things there. I mean, you know, a, a bunch of journeymen had career years last year. The stars have been found out a little bit. Keep Mares on his wrong foot, he's not a problem. You know, sit deep against Verdi, he's not going to cause you as much of an issue. I mean, people have worked out how to play them. The squads aren't listening to Ranieri anymore. You know, they've heard it all before. And this, the other thing... Once you win, and, and it's brilliant, and the way they won, it transformed them from nobodies to superstars. But the difficult thing is maintaining your focus. Everyone wants to buy you a drink. All of a sudden, you're in all the newspapers, on all the television. You know, you're a hero to everyone. And it's hard to keep focused. Steve Nichols said to me once about playing for Liverpool when he won his first title. He said, you know, it goes to your head a little bit. He said, but he was lucky. He had five or six people in that dressing room who's won before who were able to say, hey, you keep focused. Leicester, they only had who'd, who'd won a title and he was a bit part player for Chelsea. Was, yeah. And so there's no one who knows how to, and even Ranieri, well, to get a grip and to say, focus on what you're doing. And you'd seen before the Champions League games, they were getting beaten by three, you know, by United, by Liverpool, because they were too busy looking ahead to the Champions League games. And you're still seeing that now. I think they're in real deep trouble. If they lose to Liverpool after the Champions League game, after this little break in the Premier League, then I think Ranieri might be on his way. I agree with everything Tony says, and I would elaborate on the point about Ranieri because everything you say about the players, Tony, is true of the coach. Mm. He's 65, he's been trying to win the league title in various countries all his life. He finished second on a number of occasions. He finally does it. It wouldn't be human or natural if his focus didn't drop off a little bit. He's mm. achieved his life's ambition. Mm. And so 
None of them would have expected to be in this relegation fight. They probably thought, we'll be between 8th and 12th, and you know what, that's fine. We've done the job, we'll get our mm. moves at the end of the season and we'll dine out on this for the rest of our lives. It's not turning out like that, and it's going to be very difficult for them. I, I don't like drawing too many things from what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, <laughs> watching the build-up to the Swansea game yesterday, a few of the Leicester players were mixing with Nathan Dyer, who played there on loan last year, who's now with Swansea. You'd have expected more of a focus about those Leicester players, but they're all laughing and joking and messing about. Mm. It looked like a group of players approaching a must-win game. And I thought that typified everything that Tony said about them. Mm. Mm. And the last thing they need is an FA Cup tie at Millwall. Well, yeah, I mean... When does anyone need an FA Cup time? You know, um, I, I, I think that it's a great opportunity for Millwall because if there's any team that won't be thinking about the FA Cup, it's them, you know, they'll be looking ahead to two really huge games and I think they'll probably play a weekend team, although the state they're in these days, you don't need to play a weekend Leicester, so... And that might be the title winners, given yeah. what Ranieri said yeah. yesterday. So He's going to uh, switch it about. So, mm. I mean, yeah, I think it's a great opportunity for Millwall and I think it's a cracking cup game. Yeah, and it's a sort of old school ground which produces an old school occasion. Mm. It sure is, yeah. I've not been there for a few years, but when I first started in London as a reporter, it was the year that Millwall were in Europe under Dennis Wise, so I used to go there a lot. I can't imagine the atmosphere's changed very much from what it was then, so hugely tough game for Leicester. Mm. Okay. We'll finish where we began, Arsenal. You know, they're at Sutton. What type of occasion do you expect? Well, I expect a considerably weakened team from Arsenal and um, I expect it to be a, a rip-roar and giant-killing occasion. Whether the Giants will get killed, uh, I'm not sure. But I'll tell you what, if I'm a Sutton player, if there's any team I want, any big team I want, a top-four team, I'm like, give me Arsenal. Let's, let's put their mental toughness to the test. Let's see how robust they are in conditions like this. So Tony's going to kick him up in the air. What would you do? <laughs> well, probably something similar, but... <laughs> It's actually could be career-defining a tie like this for some of Arsenal's under-23 players who don't play much because scout, if they're not going to get there at Arsenal, scouts will be watching to see what sort of character they've got in a game like this. Leeds' under-23s failed that test abysmally. We all know the lack of strength in that under-23 league. This is a chance for those Arsenal players to show what they're made of for mm. the career that will follow. Just a final question for you both. Should we still care about the FA Cup? Oh, yeah, I think we should. I think we always should. And I think... Um, there will be times when we get you know poor weeks and draws that don't inspire us. But you know what? There's always something in every FA Cup competition that you remember, that you look back on and go, yeah, that was brilliant. Um, Millwall have given us quite a bit of it this year and Sutton and long may it continue. I agree completely with Tony. We should care about it, but unfortunately the Premier League in some ways is making football a gloomy place. Below the top six, people just want to finish 13th. They'd rather do that than actually lift a trophy. If you spoke to Wigan fans, they'd have taken a relegation if it meant lifting the FA Cup. There's not enough of that joy and dreaming in football anymore. You just want to finish 13th and bank your millions, and that's a shame. Glory, not money. Take a look at the calendar, folks. It's Valentine's Day tomorrow. We all need a little bit of romance, don't we? I love the FA Cup. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. (laughs) 